Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Eric Meth. He is a return guest. He was on the program. It was probably been a couple of years ago now, but we want to get him back, kind of find out what's going on in his world today. He was the founder and CEO of Good Harvest, uh, which got acquired by Surfside. He is now chief strategy officer there. And we're going to talk about the world of advertising in um, cannabis and marketing and all the things that go into there, both uh, direct to consumer, B2B. Obviously, the, the rest of the world has very advanced technologies, strategies, data sets that they use to do you know hyper-targeted marketing and understanding audiences. You know, cannabis is a little tricky, uh, in part because of the kind of legal landscape, the regulatory landscape, in part because just kind of the nature of an early-stage industry. But that is changing, and Eric is deep in that, is a big part of that. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about what he's seen and, and what the changes have been and how the industry has evolved and where it's going to go. Some really important part of cannabis is, is this whole space. If, you know, as brands really start to think about how they're going to uh, enter markets, grow their market share, reach new audiences, and certainly as the landscape changes and the regulatory framework that we're in potentially changes, <laughs> maybe sooner rather than later, or later rather than sooner. But um, you know, all those things are going to impact that, and so we're going to talk about that. With all that, Eric, welcome to the program. 
Thank you, Bruce. Yeah. Back for back for a second time. Do <laughs> we call for it, more? <laughs> do, do we call this a boomerang? A boomerang interview? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You have, exactly. You have like you have like a jacket you give like SNL does for return guests. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get a little uh, badge for your awesome. sleeve. Fantastic. <laughs> I'll send I'll, it to you. I'll, I'll wear I'll wear it proudly. <laughs> Good. <laughs> So, uh, so, so welcome. I mean, I give us, I guess, let's start with a little bit of just, um, you know, what, what's happened for you, what's happened for the company, what's happened for the industry since we last spoke, give us a little kind of sketch and then we can kind of dig into what's going on today. Sure. Yeah. Like you said, um, I think last time we talked was, was March, 2019, how yeah. long, how long ago that feels. Um, yeah. So the past two years, outside of things like a global pandemic and everything else we've been experiencing, uh, yeah, Good Harvest Company, which was the, the founding element that we talked about last time, which is really focused on shopper behaviors, more in the form of like a data management platform, was acquired by Surfside. That was uh, February 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just very appropriate. We had been partnering in the sense that this this data element that we had been curating, namely around shopping behaviors of, of cannabis consumers, wellness consumers, it needed something else to sort of tuck into, particularly mm-hmm. when we wanted to activate, meaning we wanted to reach those consumers through digital marketing channels, whether it yep. was uh, mobile web, whether it was in-app advertising, over-the-top television. I was really focused at the time and the, and the small team we had was really focused on aggregating a lot of the data and consumer behavior elements, and then being able to pull other items around that, whether that was demographic information, psychographic information, lifestyle behaviors, to really create audience segments. Those audience segments had to be activated and pushed into an ad platform, and that's really where Surfside came in. So mm-hmm. it was good too because I had the opportunity to I call it kick the tires on a, on a number of other you know, kind of like-minded platforms and really get a sense on what was real what wasn't so real, who had real IP, <laughs> yeah. who had that, that special factor. And I no regrets whatsoever, obviously. You know, the, yeah. the, the gut factor the whole time with Surfside is really doing things in a really well-aligned way that Good Harvest was looking at it, but it had all those other platform capabilities that we did not have as mm-hmm. a you know beta platform. So once we got that beta up in late 2018, like I mentioned, the, the acquisition happened February 2020. Uh, I came on as chief strategy officer, which is a little nebulous title, but really focusing on revenue, focusing on strategic partnerships with other, other platform providers, data providers in the industry. And you know, outside of a little gray, period once the fog <laughs> once the fog list is lifted for out of the gate four weeks it's great now the world's gonna shut down yeah exactly uh, but we got out of it all right so yeah, yeah. we're 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 really at our core we're, we're a marketing and data analytics platform obviously we have a keen focus on cannabis consumer behaviors and really we're activating and managing digital media campaigns for a variety of partners in the industry mso's sso's brands delivery platforms but really the most important element uh, is really measuring the outcomes as a result of those marketing spends. And our, our mantra is really measure what matters. So yeah. we, we kind of stick with that. Yeah. Well, and tell us, I mean, for, for those that didn't listen to your original episode and, and where we kind of, we went through why this is a little bit of a challenge for cannabis. Why, why, why is doing this kind of work um, a challenge for cannabis relative to other kind of CPG kind of markets and industries? Like what, what makes cannabis unique? Oh, what makes cannabis unique? How much time? We only have, we only have a, a twenty more minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so the the thing that we have been able to do really well is kind of string together all of these disparate data sets that exist. Mm-hmm. They live within the ERP ecosystems on 
the operator side. So whether it's your point of sale system, whether it's your e-com platform like a Dutchie or Jane or, or, or others that are in the in the in the market, none of this was really strung together really well. And a lot of it, one of the hurdles of the cannabis industry was a lot of the mainstream platforms, and, and this was from the beginning, still and they still do to this day have a high level of, of allergies to to cannabis. They just don't want to touch it for a variety of reasons. Some of it is banking related, some of it is just policy driven, much like other uh, restricted categories uh, that yep. a lot of the mainstream platforms typically shy away from them, whether it's it's some are, are against cryptocurrency, some are against pornography, some are against uh, firearms. I mean, these are all legal legal elements. Yeah. Uh, and then you get cannabis, which is obviously a sort of a quasi legal element, depending on which market you're in. Um, yep. So a lot when you look at the mainstream platforms and some of the big publishers, I think when they look at what the relative amount of revenue that could be generated off that it bumps up against their larger revenue sets coming from a lot of traditional categories. A lot of it is like Pearl's not worth the dive. So yeah. particularly, I think with listening to some of the other interviews you've conducted, everyone believes the same thing. The pandemic helped accelerate a lot yeah. within the cannabis industry on all levels. It got to the point where publishers became more willing to take on cannabis brand advertising because their other categories were suffering as a result of the yep. pandemic. Pullbacks yep. on travel, pullbacks on entertainment. So there was an opening there. And then at the same time, the marketers that we're, we were working with at the time, I'd say the aggressive ones and the opportunistic ones saw that as a buyer's market. We're like, great, we know CPMs are down. We know media rates are down. We wanna go deeper and we wanna really kind of go fast and furious while all this sort of confusion and, and other elements are happening, particularly during that that sort of dark period that we went into in, in early 2020. But mm -hmm. in general, you still see the same things. You see a lot of mainstream platforms, a lot of larger publishers are still shying away from it, but the toe dip has turned into like an ankle dip. It's turned into a, <laughs> we're now waist high in the water. So everyone's getting more comfortable with it, which is great. And I think a lot of it is just because marketers are spending more within the industry. I think we're, yep. we're helping to drive that. And yeah, I mean, that that's sort of one small part of, of some of the challenges, but then, you know, just compliance and making sure that the ads we're running are meeting the regulatory standards and the regulatory and compliance restrictions that each market are dictating. And they vary, as you know, across every single market that we're operating in. So mm -hmm. for us to be able to specialize in that, really have the back-end connections, which provide the measurement component. That's a lot of the groundwork that we were able to lay that, again, a lot of these mainstream platforms that most agencies or most brands typically use, they just don't have a lot of those connections to really be able to produce a lot of those attribution reports, closed-loop reporting, things like that. Yeah. What's some examples of like where you're making these connections or, or the connections that you've been able to make to create a real closed-loop environment? Yeah, like I mentioned, I mean, we're, we we always and will continue to be very platform agnostic. So like I mentioned, you've got kind of the, in, the industry players like Jane, Dutchie, Trees, LeafLogics, mm -hmm. amongst others. We are touching based on those and then other point of sale integrations. We're probably seeing, I'd say, north of 30, maybe closer to 40% of US-based cannabis transactions right now as a result mm -hmm. of having those connections. Yeah. So that becomes very critical. And then you're also seeing some of these more mainstream known POS systems and, and ERPs like Magento yep. coming into the space as well. Shopify, obviously in Canada, being a yep. Canadian company, have gone deep in that 
as well. So again, the, the gates are coming down in a lot of ways, but it's still not an all in for, for all these platforms. So, so those, that was a lot of time and effort that Surfside, and again, that was prior to, to the, the Good Harvest tie-up. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael, who's our technical co-founder, and John Lowen, our, our other co-founder, they did a lot of that great groundwork and we're continuing to have, every time we, we engage with another operator in the event that we're not connected, that really becomes table stakes. Like we, if you can't measure it, it doesn't matter, right? So we we yeah. need to be able to show all of those rich KPIs that these marketers are looking for so they can make informed decisions to say what's working, what's not working, how can we adjust our media plan? And that's really how we've been able to kind of solidify our position in the market today. Yeah. And, and what kind of, I mean, now that you provide marketers these tools, what, what are the marketers actually doing with them? I mean, what, what, are, yeah. what are the strategies they're putting in place given this data? Yeah, it's, we're becoming... You know, it's, it's like the media execution side is, is critical, right? That makes everything happen. We understand who's engaging with certain campaigns, who's converting as a result of seeing a display advertising on their mobile device, on their connected TV at home, on their desktop device. So, so the ability for us to provide that activation layer is important. I think the more important side and the more sort of the richer value that we're offering is the level of insight and understanding both before the campaign launches. A lot of times we'll work with a partner, they'll have a decent idea, whether they're using a Google Analytics platform uh, to see how certain types of traffic are coming in, what their bounce rates look like. That's all critically important to run their business and understand what channels that they're running, whether it's SEO, SEM, or, or, or paid display media. Mm-hmm. It's helpful. What they typically have a lot of blind spots are, are really understanding the sort of the full portrait of the consumers that they're reaching. A lot of it might be through their loyalty program. They might not be collecting a massive amount of data up front, mostly mm-hmm. because they don't want to inundate that consumer with name, yeah. rank, serial number, date of birth. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's certain things that they have to get. So what we have the keen ability to do based on 300 million consumer profiles that we're looking at, 600 million plus devices that we're looking at, and then this aggregate of 25,000 plus consumer profiles, we can help visualize for them a lot of that missing data. So they really have a true picture of who these consumers are. And more importantly, we show them more of the green pasture type consumers that are out there. So a lot of what we're doing is taking first party data that they have, enriching it once we onboard it, mm-hmm. give them a really deep profile of these consumers, and then more importantly, help them find net new consumers that represent a lot of those known attributes and known consumers that are in the market. So it's always like, use what you know about the consumer and find those unknown known consumers that are out there, but they're shopping another competitive location or they haven't entered into the cannabis uh, category yet. They might have all the same types of behavior. They might be looking for a better night's sleep. They might be looking for uh, muscle relief or whatever that that element is that's Mm -hmm. causing them to potentially try cannabis if they're not actively consuming cannabis. That's something that we do really well. And then to show proof positive that we reach these known consumers that we're shopping at competitive location, X amount of exposures to the ads that we served against those defined consumers created this outcome. We saw 
your cost per visit declined from $70 to $35 as a result of sending these paid media messages to those consumers' devices. Mm-hmm. And then we're also tracking return on ad spend. So ROAS as a metric is critically important so they can understand every dollar they're putting in, they're getting $3 out by reaching this specific audience segment. They're getting $5 out by receiving, uh, by targeting the ads to these specific types of consumers. That turns programs from trial. And once, you know, a big thing of what we do is just try it and we'll show you like our job and our goal isn't to run a three month pilot for X thousands of dollars. Yeah. Anyone can do that. And unfortunately we see some partners of ours come in yeah. with a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth, whether they had a poor experience with a competing platform or a platform that's out there just because they don't have the level of depth of, of data and attribution analytics that we could provide. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. And how do you deal with the kind of the situation we're in with the state-by-state market, different regulations, different kind of, uh, you know, really industries? I mean, each, each market is different, you know, because of the state setup. How do you kind of navigate that or how does it affect your, you know, your business strategy, how you work with customers? Give me some insights. Uh, we have a really good compliance group. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which goes beyond my my pay grade. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of it, a lot of it is is having that deep understanding. And again, this is something that puts us on a bit of an advantage, and our, our playing fields expanded uh, because we are like the, the the thing that we're seeing is more. I wouldn't say like the top tier holding company level agencies are they're not getting in the space yet. They're 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 watching very mm-hmm. closely, but they're not dipping their toe in because again like the pearl's not worth a die for them at this point i think they're looking to see who will rise to the top who can they either partner with maybe they potentially acquire there's all those things that are happening which you know my my belief is we're we're still a number of years away from that but what we are seeing i'd say are like boutique agencies secondary agencies not to diminish them they're all critically important but they're independent agencies that don't have that same level of corporate oversight that says we can't touch cannabis right now so they are getting into the space and we're partnering really well with some of them that are representing some really really strong cannabis players Mm -hmm. uh, and and marketers which is encouraging what we're doing is building a lot of trust with them because we're really helping them navigate through our compliance measures through knowing very specifically what types of inventory what publishers are allowing us to run branded advertising for cannabis marketers Mm -hmm. um it's helping them look good for their client. We're both looking good at that point. And whether we're operating, you know, in a white label standpoint or we're fully exposed and they know the Surfside is sort of the power engine behind it, yep. it works well. So that goes hand in hand, I think, with a lot of the, I'd say, you know, individuals that are coming in from from adjacent industries, consumer packaged goods, pharma, uh, spirits and beverage. It's great to see this sort of caliber of marketer coming into the space that really understands what to do. It's the mm-hmm. how to do it and how to do it effectively and compliantly is what they rely on us on. So it's like, like we're the tool set when they get this new job, they're coming from you know a well-established CPG player and they're like, I have no idea what the cannabis industry is like, but I'm fascinated <laughs> by it. And I can't use any of the tools that I had at my exactly. disposal before yeah. until we found Surfside. So we're becoming very critical for them because it's not just about us running the ads for them. We are getting more embedded, I'd say more as like a customer data platform mm-hmm. in some cases where we're not just minding what we're running and reporting metrics and, and attribution on the media that we're responsible for. We have really keen ability to do things like help them measure their out of home. 
So we get a set of lat longs, we get a set of uh, locations of out of home advertising that they're doing. In the mm-hmm. same way that we're measuring footfall of something crossing a threshold of a store against an ad set that we expose them to and, and running calculations against that, we can really do the same thing with things like out of home. So people getting exposed to a billboard, a digital out of home ad, and then that same effect. Did that ID tied to Surfside, tied to that device, see the ad on the highway five times during their commute, and then on the weekend, on the sixth day, they, they went to the up. website? Yeah. And we when we saw that because we're also integrated on the website side and then that whole closed loop attribution cycle happens if they actually purchase. So it, it it's multi-dimensional media media mix analysis, not just the digital elements that we're running. Mm-hmm. And how I, I'm curious, a lot of people coming into cannabis from other industries will will run into some challenges. <laughs> you know, as as you're working with these marketers that are coming in from you know CPG and other other industries into cannabis, and they're like, yeah, great, like I want to use all the kind of strategies, and I have, I I need the tool set. You provide the tool set. What are the other things they're having to kind of understand, flex, adjust, repurpose? in order to be successful in cannabis? Um, so a lot of it is, it, it's, they're, everyone's kind of building the plane as they're flying it, right? Every yeah. organization, I'd say, you know, us included, you're, you're lying if you, if you tell someone otherwise. No one has it all figured out. So us, you know, and I'm, I'm an older school seller. I'm very much not just on the execution side. Obviously, that's critically important, the high level of service, but it's establishing that trust and that relationship, which I always find to be most important. And really being able to admit like we don't know everything like we're here to learn from one another so that's been really the the fascinating part where we can build that trust build that rapport produce results not always agree on on things we get challenged on methodology sometimes uh, because that's also changing um you know we're, we're seeing Attribution modeling changing. Google a couple of weeks ago uh, just came out with with announcements that they're moving away from things like last click attribution. That's what everyone is coming in saying. Well, that last click didn't. I didn't see that on my side, and you're maybe taking more credit than you should be for some of the attribution. But we look at it more as data driven attribution. So it's not that last click is going away. But, you know, again, big groups like Google is validating a lot what we've been preaching and executing from the beginning, right? We focus more on rules-based attribution, last click, first click, linear, which is crediting every impression equally that gets served, time decay. So you have things like credits by the duration between an impression and conversion, post-based modeling attribution windows appropriately. Some platforms in the industry, when we have that trust, we tend to get some inside baseball from partners that, that maybe run with other platforms. Yep. And they might be pushing 30-day attribution windows. That's very, very generous when you think, I saw this ad and then maybe possibly, 30 days later, yeah. perhaps 30 <laughs> days later, I'm going to take credit for the sale. I'm like, eh, 14 days is really a standard that we work on. And if someone says, look, we want to do it more and adjust it on a seven-day attribution window, that's fine. Like yeah. we want to go with with what makes sense, but just have an understanding that we're we're looking at multiple touch points within that attribution process, um, and it's you know it's it's great. I lo- I love the fact that Google is validating what we're saying. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. we can see it's not just about that last click. It's, <laughs> Those guys are saying it. I think Google knows a little bit about the advertising and, and attribution game. Yeah, they they have some insight. As this industry matures, as you know, the the kind of the rules legislation kind of changes around this, and some of these bigger players kind of get involved. I mean, how is this going to change the landscape? How is it going to change your business? I mean, are are you 
I guess, how are you positioning yourselves to be prepared for, you know, this, what seems to be a fairly likely onslaught of all these other industries or all these, the big players that are not in cannabis right now, they're on sidelines. At some point, they're going to, they're going to take the field. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, We get asked it a lot. And that's why we really focus on the audience and the measurement side, you know, data and, and, and coming from my past experience in retail marketing retail advertising, you know, building a former company that I covered in the last interview. Mm-hmm. We, we built a very sizable business, several hundreds of millions of dollars that we generated based on the notion of activating first party retail data. Yeah. We're doing very much the same thing here. My old company had a fairly nice outcome. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that did not end well as far as the uh, the long term, um, yeah. which is part of the writing on the wall that I saw. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. I think that any time in my experience I've seen and retail is is very, very cyclical, tough environment. Obviously, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of ups and downs, particularly with the pandemic. But any time you've seen, you know, unfortunate situations where major retailers go bankrupt, the one thing that really survives and has the most amount of sort of fire sale value is that first party data set, right? So when you think through, you know, like a, a Circuit City going out of business, uh, Newegg, I believe, was the one that bought them. Like the thing that yeah. fetched the most amount of value for Newegg was all this historical shopper data that existed on their side. So, yeah. you know, we're looking at that longer standing value, even if larger players come in. Yeah. The ability to leverage highly portable consumer behavioral data and shopper data is still going to have a very long-term value within the marketplace and the ability to measure against that. So if we pull out that middle part, that activation layer that we that we manage right now, in the absence of a lot of these other platforms not in the game yet, um, mm-hmm. not being in the game yet, that's what creates more of that long-term value. It's all built on our own IP, which also obviously has value to it. So that's that's the long game that we're looking at. The fact that you're always going to need, and especially when you're thinking about retail, this is not stagnant data. This is not, you know, automotive. You might have obviously like a longer buying cycle. People are not yeah. buying a new car every week. They're buying a new car every several years, in some case, multiple years, five years, 10 years. Yeah. Anything in retail is very, very high cycle, FMCG, CPG that's always changing. So to be able to have ownership of that and have all of these hooks into the industry on the data side on the up on the on the front end, as well as the attribution side on the back end, and provide that consistent measurement capability, that's where we see more of that long term value uh, uh, being sustained for us. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of kind of the regulatory environment right now, is there anything you're watching out or you're just kind of watching for or, or, or keeping an eye on in terms of changes in the laws, changes in regulatory frameworks, you know, who's going to be regulating, how they're regulating, yeah. like what do you, what do you see coming down the pike here? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ever changing and it's not just the cannabis based regulatory elements. It's also advertising tech. It's also privacy and data collection and everything on that. So we have to, our heads on a swivel collectively because we have to look at it from all sides. Like we have a lots of belts and suspenders built in, particularly on the data and privacy side, GDPR, CCP, uh, best practices that are that are dictated by the IAB and the Internet Ad Bureau. I mean, the, all of those things are a baseline. Mm-hmm. You know, from a from a overall. I mean, it's our my. It's hard to say just based on the ever changing regulatory and legislative environment 
Um, I think when you look at it from a federal level, every day it's different, right? Yeah. There's so many other things, so many other priorities. Like or we're, we, we just avoided one, you know, one fiscal cliff. We're probably you know, barely <laughs> put another. Um, exactly. Every now and again, you know, we read the trades all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see the banking initiatives are moving forward. They move through committee and then it goes nowhere. Yeah. Right. Crickets. Right. And then yeah. you see, you know, Amazon giving up their um, uh, their mandates on on uh, cannabis testing for employees like that's it's more than a head fake. It's like we're a big lobbying element. We have our eye on this. Yeah. We will have some sway. So I think you're going to have corporate interests that are going to continue to kind of push all of those regulatory elements. Uh, you're going to have the legislators push it when it's convenient or when they have time to do it. But it's hard to say exactly like we know what we know this week and this month and we're constantly keeping our eye on it as new markets come in and they're going to establish their own rules some cases like utah for example like they don't let any advertising happen whatsoever in the state however you can advertise just outside the state in the form of out of home and you can get a temporary license when you go into utah to purchase cannabis from a licensed operator so you know there's creative ways to do that and still keep your nose clean on the regulatory side Mm -hmm. Um, and these are the things that again like if if you're looking at it with with a group or an agency or a platform that does not have that specialty knowledge you're asking for trouble if you wind up going down that path because Mm -hmm. no one wants to no one wants to get their hand slapped by a cannabis regulatory commission in any state let alone getting ftc uh, issues that you have to contend with as well. So, yeah. And who, I guess, who are you working with primarily now? Is, is the, the MSOs, are these brands? I mean, who, who's most interested in, in the platform and the data and the kind of what you can offer? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. All of them. Yeah. We're, not, not quite everyone. I'll, I'll, I'll recant that a little bit. I'd say we're working with a lion's share of the multi-state operators with exception of a few. Um, mm-hmm. And some of it isn't just, you know, we, we, we're certainly in dialogue with them. Some of them, you know, aren't advertising as much as you would think they are. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are still kind of developing their teams, developing their abilities. Uh, they're doing more maybe traditional, but it's rapidly changing. Uh, but we, we see brands, a lot of brands, particularly in certain markets where, you know, it's limited license they versus a vertical uh, market where it's just their products in their stores they get into you know, a multi-state operator goes into a new market that's that's limited license they're not going to be able to survive with you know whether it's three storefronts five storefronts whatever the case is versus the multi, you know dozens of storefronts that they might have in a vertical market they have to rely on the wholesale business so that's where we see brand advertising come into play uh, another thing that we're keenly focused on, and this is kind of my my bread and butter, what I came mm-hmm. from, is really the co-marketing side and the retail marketing element. So being able to do co-branded advertising, push a specific brand to a, a consumer with a specific brand to a specific retailer or set of retailers to drive sales for that product and then have the retailer has that ancillary benefit of that consumer going in and buying said product that's being advertised to them based on targeting yeah. and then buying three other things or five other things. So increasing basket size and be able to show that the sale was driven as a result of this advertising and the retailer gets a benefit. But that does help with certain things as the market continues to mature and you can offset as a, as a wholesaler, you can offset your slotting fees with a digital ad program that's going to help amplify the, the visibility of that product at that specific retailer. And then it becomes pretty equitable in the sense that they've got multiple accounts in that market. So this program can be very easily replicated and done on a rotational basis 
across the board. So yeah. that helps grow the business. So that's the brand side. And then, you know, delivery platforms, we work with some of the B2, on a B2B side with uh, some ag tech players. So the same way that we can identify a, an actual a D2C consumer, we can also kind of invert the system to identify those that are working in the industry that, you know, someone like a, like a Hawthorne group might want to reach uh, for ag tech products and nutrients and things like that. So it's, um, it's a round robin of, of good partners and we, we certainly have more road to hoe, but that's part of the expansion that we're going through as a result of, you know, obviously we, we just closed around with our partners at Casa Verde. So it's all helping. It's all very strategic investment that's helping us continue to grow and, and kind of just keep chopping down those levels uh, so we can canvas ourselves across the greater part of the market. Yeah, yeah, exciting stuff. Eric, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Surfside, what's the best way to get that information? Sure, anyone can go to surfside.io. Great, I'll put the, put the URL in the show notes here so people can click on it. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Bruce. Let's schedule number three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again soon. Next year this time? Does that work for you? <laughs> I'll put it on my calendar now. <laughs> Fantastic. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.